0: Sources telling CNN investigators there now have emails and text messages that directly connect members of Trump's legal team to the breach of a voting system in rural Coffee County. This new development coming as District Attorney Fani Willis is preparing to present her case to a grand jury. She is expected to seek an indictment of more than a dozen people as early as Tuesday. And that means this week, a former U.S. president could be facing criminal charges in four different jurisdictions around the country. We've got you covered, we're gonna begin with CNN's Zachary Cohen on this, who helped break this exclusive reporting. Zach, this seems quite significant, uh, this evidence linking members of Trump's legal team to the breach of a voting system there.
1: Yeah, Jessica, these text messages really do add to a growing body of evidence that links Donald Trump's legal team to this voting system breach in Coffee County, Georgia that happened on January 7th, 2021. And more specifically, it links them to this effort to secure a written invitation from a local election official there, essentially allowing them or in their minds could be held up as evidence allowing them to enter the election office and copy the voting system in Coffee County, which by all accounts is not legal and um, no election official is allowed to let outsiders have access to voting systems in counties across the country. But we know now that Trump's team and Trump's lawyers were trying to convince this local election official in Coffee County to provide a written letter of invitation. And these text messages really do um, show us how they were involved in the planning and how all of you know, down from Brody Giuliani all the way to Sidney Powell, how they were kept in the loop by operatives on the state level as they worked to secure this um, written letter of invitation and then ultimately access to the voting system in Coffee County. Now, Coffee County is about 200 miles south of Atlanta, downtown Atlanta, where we are right now. But the Coffee County breach has emerged as one of the focal points of Fawny Willis' investigation over the last year and a half. And it's because this sensitive voting system or voting data was um, initially accessed by Trump's lawyers this could play into charging decisions that ultimately are expected to come within possibly the next week.
0: Right. It is, is are remarkable new details. And you mentioned uh, possibly in the next week. Walk us through and kind of set the scene for us the next couple of days where you are, what that might look like.
1: Yeah, Jessica. We expect uh, the, the district attorney here, Fani Willis, to start presenting her case to the grand jury as early as tomorrow, and that is the clear sign because witnesses are supposed to come and testify before the grand jury. The clearest sign that charges could be coming, and they could be coming in the near term. We already know of at least three witnesses who are scheduled to come in on Tuesday. You know, by all accounts, that we could see charges or indictments come as early as Tuesday once that happens. But it, the timing does remain up in the air. The grand jury may want more time with the evidence. The prosecutors may want more time to present it, but as of now, all eyes on the Fulton County Courthouse starting as early as tomorrow, and Indictment Watch starts on Tuesday at the earliest.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Zachary Cohen for us in Atlanta. Thanks so much for that excellent reporting. We appreciate it. We want to continue this discussion now with former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin, host of the podcast That Said with Michael Zeldin. He also served as a special assistant to Robert Mueller at the Justice Department. Michael, great to see you. Zach just went over these exclusive new details that, that he and his colleagues broke uh, about these text messages, these emails. Is this a smoking gun for prosecutors?
2: It makes their case much easier. If the Trump defense is my call to First Amendment protected, if my calls to Governor Kemp were appropriate under political circumstances, this is an action. This is an illegal action. So you can't argue First Amendment defense to illegal action. And so if they can make their case much more action-based and less speech-based, they have a stronger way of proceeding.
0: That's so interesting and worth reminding everyone, we believe the reporting is that Fonnie Willis wants to go after conspiracy charges, racketeering charges, not just for Trump, but for his allies as well, essentially tying them together, these so-called RICO cases, right. which I'm sure you're very familiar with. How does this fit into that? And, and what will make that unique about how she's putting this case together?
2: Under the Georgia RICO statute, which is really conspiracy plus, mm-hmm. it allows you to bring in related criminal actions into one sort of overarching sk- conspiracy theory. let lets the jury hear a story. On day one, this is what happened all the way through the conclusion of the story. And these disparate acts by all these different actors woven together in this RICO conspiracy charge, allows for that storytelling, and that's what you want as a prosecutor. You always say, as a prosecutor, you, you write your closing statement first, and then you build the evidence to let you say that. That's what she's doing here.
0: Okay, and and with your experience, help people understand zach was just saying uh, this grand jury starts we'll meet tomorrow and we know that the two witnesses have been called for tuesday what is that going to look like it's closed doors we know that uh, they don't go in with legal counsel the witnesses it's just ordinary citizens that sit on this grand jury but beyond that fill in the details for us what does that look like in that room
2: so it looks sometimes like a classroom you've got these people sitting on chairs, 23 people, they've sworn an oath to defend the Constitution, you know, behave in an orderly way. You have a prosecutor who brings in a witness, the witness is sworn, and they tell their story. In this case, because you had a special grand jury for eight months hearing 75 pieces of evidence by these people, there'll be a summary of that, so like the greatest hits will be presented by the case agent, then these additional witnesses, and they'll all talk, the prosecutor gets to ask questions, the grand jurors get to ask questions. And then at the end, when the evidence is fully presented, the prosecutors will say, here are the charges that we think should be appropriate, vote on them. And you need a majority of the 23 grand jurors to bring an indictment, a true bill, they call it, meaning truly a crime, mm-hmm. probable cause is the standard. It goes to a judge, is then assigned to the court calendar and." off it goes
0: and off we go and and yeah. and worth noting it sounds like that you only need the majority of the 23 although I guess you could get all of them um, to, to get that indictment do you how, how do you think this timeline will, will play out this is this is both extraordinary and ordinary right it, it is how the justice system works but in an, a, an extraordinary circumstance exactly
2: like. the grand jury in Fulton County Georgia meets twice a week in this case Monday and Tuesday Monday, you'll probably get the greatest hits, the summary and all that stuff. Then on Tuesday, we have at least two live witnesses. And then if they go in the early morning, and that's the end of the evidentiary presentation, the prosecutors who probably have this indictment, if there's gonna be one already written, um, they present it to the grand jury and say, we're thinking about bringing this charge, this charge this time, what do you guys think? How do you wanna vote? And then they vote. Mm Remember also that there was this special grand jury that heard from 75 witnesses. They made a recommendation about criminal charges. And so they already have a sense of how 23 others Mm-hmm. viewed the evidence. And so they'll pick and choose the strongest cases. You're right. If it was one was 12 people versus verse 23 people, they'll pick the 23, the 23 people. 23.
0: Yeah. And before I let you go, last question is just about where this is happening. This is a state, not a federal case. Right. It's in Georgia where they would allow it to likely be televised. What What is important to keep in mind about the differences with this, this case versus the, the federal case?
2: Well, fundamentally, there can be no pardon in this case, no. a federal case. The president can issue a pardon. In this case, it's the governor. If you're convicted in Georgia, you cannot apply for a pardon until after five years from the end of your you know, sentence. And so that's a big difference. And then television makes a very big difference. We saw the failure of television in the O.J. Simpson case with Judge Edo controlling nothing in that courtroom. And that's gonna make a big difference on how the lawyers behave and how the perception of the audience is. Because you really want to convince not just the 12 jurors. Yes, of course, you want a guilty verdict. But you want to talk to America that this is a righteous prosecution. Mm. And so you want your evidence to be strong enough to convince people that this was appropriate. This was not a political witch hunt.
0: Right. This This was warranted. All right, Michael Zeldin, thanks so much for being here for that analysis. We appreciate it.